And one, two, three, four. Welcome everybody to the Life Point Table Talk podcast. We are coming in this week for the Bible reading reflection on week 16. My name is Jason. I'm here with Brother Tyler. Hello. And this week we are getting into 1 Samuel 19 through the end, and then 2 Samuel through 6, uh, chapter 6, then Luke 16 through 18. And we got a lot to go over here, uh, but thank you all for tuning in. Hope hope some of y'all are reading along with us, really uh, enjoying this this year and uh, getting a lot out of it. I know you will too, so keep tuning in, read along, and uh, subscribe and share. And let's jump into it. going to start <laughs> off on 1 Samuel 19. It's a good one. And let's see, we've got Saul, Mr. Saul, the king, is asking Jonathan and his soldiers to kill David, uh, but they're friends, so Jonathan warns David. Yeah. They have this whole... Jonathan's like, what? You have no reason to want to kill him. Yeah. What's up, Dad? This keeps happening over and over. And uh, there's this whole big setup where he hides in a field... And Jonathan's going to shoot arrows. That's 20. Oh, is that 20? Yeah. What's this part? 19 is where, uh, for the second time, Saul ends up hurling a spear at David. Okay. And 19, which it's funny. Reading, oh, that's right. Yeah. Reading yeah. through 1 Samuel. I While he's putting the harp for him. Yeah. I keep thinking to myself, reading through 1 Samuel, will someone please take this guy's spear away? <laughs> yeah. He's just like out of control. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's, yeah, that's right. And there's the time when his wife helps him escape. Yeah, that's in yeah. 19, Michal. Yeah, uh, with a one statue. pronunciation. I love it. A statue in goat's hair Yeah. in the bed. Yeah, and the actual Hebrew the is an, it says it's an idol. Yeah. So it shows you where she's at. And we're going to see it later on. Um, I think in Second Samuel, it kind of comes full circle with the fact that she may still be tethered to this, like, you know, idolatrous other lifestyle that's not the way of Yahweh. That David's so passionate about. Well, in this situation, it helps David out. It sure does. <laughs> they get, yeah, they get us for goats, hair, and idols. And yeah, right. He gets the skadoodle. Yeah. So, uh, and then nineteen ends with the. Um, I guess you say it in Rama, Rama, R A M A H. Fascinating um, story. Wait, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. There is a part here. Wait, in 19, that's... Yeah. yeah. That's now, where it ends. Wait, 19 is where Saul sends soldiers to get David then, but they start prophesying. Am I right here? He does this three times. Yeah, but they... So and each time it happens till he goes, and yeah, then so he David, starts prophesying. David goes to, um, it's, I don't know how you pronounce it, Naoth in Ramah mm-hmm. is where he went. And it's uh, the Hebrew there is ambiguous. It could also mean like a hut or pastures, or like a, it makes you think like a compound mm. kind of vibe, mm-hmm. you know, like a community, which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, and every everybody that goes just gets like the Holy pro- Spirit infused. I, or What are the trans? It's like a prophet's village, they called it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. The yeah. one, the New Jerusalem Bible uh, calls it the huts at Ramah. Nice. The huts. I like that. And uh, Saul eventually shows, well, David's hiding there with Samuel, I believe, at this point. Mm-hmm. He had gone and hid with him uh, after he escaped, and Saul keeps sending people, and they keep prophesying. Yeah, until like Saul himself. Magic place or something. Yeah, it and says the Spirit of God came upon him as well, and he walked along prophesying. He even stripped off his clothes and prophesied before Samuel. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, you would think that would be the, the bottom. That w- he he might stop at that point. Yeah, you know? it's like <laughs> <laughs> taking your clothes off, prophesying good things for David. Something's happening there. Uh, but he doesn't. He doesn't stop chasing him. No, uh, all. So David escapes Prophet Village or the huts. Hut. Uh, he meets Jonathan, 
And this is, uh, they make this whole plan where he hides in the field. Yeah. And he's going to shoot arrows to warn him. And there's like a banquet where David doesn't show up. And that's. Yeah. And at first Saul's like, well, that makes sense. He might be unclean. So, mm-hmm. so many things could make you unclean where you weren't supposed to take place in that holy meal. But then the next day it's just a regular meal. So Saul's like, where is he? He freaks out again. Yep. And so, um, Jonathan gives him the warning, long story short, goes out and meets him, and they're both really upset, they're crying, yeah. and they make a beautiful pro- scene. Uh, promises and vows to each other, which is, really this sticks mm. to the end of both their lives and beyond, yeah. actually. It goes on to those children, uh, and he sticks to it. Yeah, it's like um, covenant making. Yeah, literally. Yeah. And let's see, 21, David then goes to the priest Ahimelech. Yeah. Um, this is an interesting one. David says he's on a mission for Saul. Da- it's interesting. David kind of gets into some mischief having to because he's on the run. Yeah. So he's making stuff up. Yeah. He acts crazy at one and point. And it seems like he never truly violates the Torah mm. or, or the, you know, but at, he's kind of maybe bending some rules here yeah. and there. Or? And this is one where he he asks the priest for food. Mm-hmm. He eats the sacred yeah. bread. I believe with, Jesus. It, with Jesus. Talks himself. about that. Talks about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and con- a, another cool thing, he has no weapons at this point, and he asks the priest for a sword. He said, you got anything around here? Yeah. It just I just so happened to have Goliath sword. Yeah, you might, the re- one you you might remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so he oh, gives amazing. him that sword and uh that's the one David ends up using. Um Yeah, and then it ends up in twenty one where he goes to um the Philistine region and he's gotta act crazy. He realizes he might be a little over his head. Yeah, they they start to recognize him and who he is yeah. and uh so to get out of it. He's drooling. Yeah, drooling. Scratching spit, on the door. Spit on his bed, yeah. And they say, hey, so. this guy's crazy. Get him away. So it works. Mm-hmm. His crazy routine. Um, He leaves there. We're into 22. He goes mm-hmm. to uh, Dullam Cave. Um, He's joined by his family and other groups of people. It says, I, I guess it's kind of. Outlaws or people who are in trouble and debt, different yeah, different people come and join so him. Neat people that were discontented. Lots of other translations. It kind of makes you think like the outcasts of society, yeah. like the down and out, the on and the that fringes. Becomes his group. He's got four hundred men. Yeah. Um, a prophet tells David to go to Judah. Um, and this is kind of wild. Saul finds out that Ahimelech. The priest helped David. He calls him in, questions him and everything. Then he orders his soldiers to kill him, but the they won't. Yeah, like no way. They were not going to kill him. So this other guy, I, you know his name? Doug? Do- D- Doug? Is it Doug? <laughs> Doeg? <laughs> Is it Doug? Edomite? Doeg. Doeg does it. And he happened to be there. Because he's an Edomite. And he's not a Israelite. And he doesn't only kill him. He goes back and kills... Everybody. No, it's absolutely tragic. 85 priests and everyone there, men, women, Families. children, and uh, cattle and donkeys and sheep, everything. When I th- and I see we're starting to see here that Saul's just, he's turning completely evil. Mm. I mean, this is like un- unimaginable Yeah, what he's asking for here. Um, and what's amazing too, though, is when David finds out, he takes responsibility for it. Hmm. He says, yeah. this is my fault. I yeah. caused the the dominoes that ended up with this happening. Yeah. Which I thought that was amazing, just his heart. And you see the same thing we'll see later with Abigail. It's also an amazing character. Yeah, totally. Um, David goes on, his, him and his men in uh, 23 there. He goes and um, saves the town of Keilah from the Philistines. Probably saying that wrong. Um, and and during this time, Abiathar is the son of Ahimelech, 
He escaped from the, the he massacre. Escaped the ma- he's the only one who, who survived. And he goes with the ephod mm. and joins David. So amazing. And uh, that plays in later on. David keeps using. Big time. Yeah. It, it's, it's it's he brought holy... the tools to talk to God. Yeah, the tools. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, and he uses it several times coming up. Mm. And... Uh, so Saul hears David has has saved this city and goes and surround it. And David asks for the ephod and prays to God. And he asks, will the leaders of this town turn him over to Saul? And is Saul coming? And God answers and says, yes, Saul is coming, and they will turn you over. And so that's what was going to happen. But uh, David now knows what's going to happen, so he escapes. And... Um, Saul finds out and decides not to go, and David is now hiding in the hill country. And during this time, he meets Jonathan again. Uh, again, they make promises to each other to be loyal. Um, let's see. Saul goes to the hill country to attack David. At some point, they're on like opposite sides of the hill. Yeah, it's a it's like a close call. Um, yeah, it's like narrow escapes. They were really probably going to get him, but then it says the Philistines happened to attack right at that yeah. time. And oh, man. So they have to turn back and then go fight Saul, that battle. Saul goes to fight them. Uh, so we're at 24. Yeah, 24 Saul, is a biggie. Uh, is fighting. He takes 3,000 soldiers and goes to find David. David's in a cave. Uh, this is a pretty popular one I remember growing up. Yeah. Um, Saul goes to the bathroom in the cave, and David uh, sneaks up. And, and his men are like, look, Yahweh has delivered him into yeah. your hands. Just kill him yeah. right here. He Be done him. with it. But his conscience won't let him, and so he cuts off a part of his robe. Um, as Saul li- is leaving or has left, David shouts out to him and uh, explains how he spared his life, and Saul weeps and sees that David did good for him. Uh, Saul makes David swear an oath. It's another one. He also prophesies prophesizes He'll, that David will be king. Yeah, he so says, I, huge. "I know you're going to be king." Yeah, I mean that's huge. It's very strange. He just can't stop trying to kill him. <laughs> yeah, uh, swear that his descendants won't be destroyed by David, which is mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. Uh, which plays in later. Yeah, which David honors with yeah. Mephibosheth. Yep, yep. Uh, 25, Samuel dies. I had one verse. A huge. Amazing, this huge character, yeah. just one verse, and Samuel died, and they mourned for him. Or, he had so much going on. His life was so full, you know. Yeah. Um, incredible. So that's it. He's gone. That's a that's a huge uh, passing there. Um <laughs> Let's see. This gets into the whole story where David uh, is in the wilderness. There's this. He needs some sustenance for his men. Guy, yeah. n- like, like crazy wealthy, it sounds like. His people are out there taking care of their sheep, and David doesn't take them. He doesn't attack and kinds of, kind of protects them. Yeah, it's, a sh- it's like a protection. Yeah. And so he asks for food, and this guy says no. And it kind of goes out of its way to say this Nabal guy is kind of wicked and foolish. Yeah. And one, one translation I read said churlish. A trillish. Churlish. Churlish. C-H-U-R-L-I-S-H. Churlish. Hmm. So he won't give him food, and David is mad, and he's going to go take him out. He's going to take the whole place out. And the guy doesn't know it and would have no way to stop it, but... His wife is smarter. Her name is Abigail. She sneaks in and takes food and wine to David and his men, falls at his feet, and asks for mercy. And David spares her and Nabal. And yeah. and just like David, a couple of chapters earlier, she takes the blame. Mm. She like She's like the intercessor for, Nab- for Nabal, Nabal, whatever. Interesting. Yes, yeah, I, 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 I should have been there. She said, "I should have been there. I could have stopped this. It's it's my fault. Have mercy." Yeah, it's amazing. And a day after, uh, she goes back. 
he Nabel has a stroke, is paralyzed for ten days, and then he dies. It says God killed him. Yeah, <laughs> uh, took him out. And uh, David takes Abigail as his wife, and he also marries Ahinoam. Yeah, from Jezreel. He's gonna end up with quite a few wives. Yeah, and interesting. It just notes there that Saul t- took back the wife he gave David. At the end of that chapter. Yeah, gave her to someone gave else. Gave her to somebody else. He's mad at him. Uh, 26. Let's see here. Uh, again, David is hiding. Saul finds out where he is. Takes 3,000 men to mm. go get him. Uh, they have a camp in the wilderness. David sneaks in uh, to Saul's camp and goes in his tent. One of David's soldiers is with him yeah. and is trying to get David to kill Saul. Yeah, Saul's right asleep there. with the spear right by his head. Yeah, again, like you said, there he's the Lord has delivered him. Yeah, you can, go you ahead can and kill go. him. And David's like, I will not touch the yeah. Lord's anointed. Yeah, that becomes his name for yeah. Saul. Yahweh is anointed. I won't yeah. touch him. But they take the spear, and I'm like, finally. Someone took this guy's spear away, <laughs> but they give it right back. But in it's a few interesting. Moments. There at the end of twenty six, David does say, "God's God will strike him down. Saul will, in his life, die, or he's going to die in battle." Yeah, it's almost like the the last story we heard with what's his name, Nabal. He didn't have to. This was gonna. Yeah, it was. It coming. was God's judgment. It was coming. Yeah, he, Saul's got some stuff coming sure. to him. Um. Again, David shows him what he could have done, says he was wrong and won't try to harm David anymore. Um, yeah, it's amazing, too, the part where he says, if if we've committed the sin, let us offer a sacrifice and repent. But if this is from men, it's a whole different story, which it is. Yeah. yeah. As we get into 17, or sorry, 27, mm. uh David believes, and rightfully so, Saul is going to kill him. He's not going to stop. And so he goes, and this is wild. This is so, so wild. He goes, this guy goes, and lives with the Philistines. They're nemeses. Yes, the ones that he got famous for killing. Mm. They're, they're giant. And hey, David, this happens to be carrying Goliath's sword, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um they give him a place to live, the Philistines, in Ziklag, it's the Philistine countryside. Mm-hmm. It says, David lived there for a year and four months. Um, and during this time, uh, David and his men become raiders. They're mm-hmm. raiding other towns. Um, but it's important to note they're not raiding Israelites. Yeah. They're raiding their Israel's enemies. Yeah. Uh, but... He, it does make note that he kills all the men and women when he goes to these places so they can't tell on him. So people don't yeah. know what he's doing. So there was something there he wasn't particularly proud of, <laughs> but uh, he was, I guess, doing what he had to do. Or Yeah. Well, I read uh, the uh, New American Commentary said that, but David redeemed his time in this Philistine exile using it to resume Israel's conquest of Canaan. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. And uh, it made me think, too, like I, I said this the last time we did a podcast together, but that show Last Kingdom, their main character, Uhtred, is like, whose side is he on? Is he a Dane? Is he, is yeah. he with the, I really do, it, the it, English? It, it really sticks. It was a very confused time. There are little uh, he's pockets. Sur- of, he's surviving. Yeah, there's little pockets of of tribes and gangs and... King, kingdoms yeah. it's just all messed up and crazy yeah it's almost like like mob family yeah it really is yeah and so wild, they wild. see david doing this stuff these raids and stuff and he becomes trusted by the philistine king mm. and uh so much so he becomes that guy's bodyguard the Philistine king, or yeah. one of the translation calls it that his own no bodyguard. he is and he he's like with him to the end it's his it'll be his cohorts of people under him that will eventually say this no way dude <laughs> yeah and so this gets into 28 here oh boy and this is pretty wild Sa- mm-hmm. samuel has died we talked about that and so saul has removed all mediums and magicians from the land 
which is interesting, which means they were there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, because to use them is a capital offense per the Torah. But they were there before. Yeah. <laughs> it's against uh, their, their law. And Saul prays, but God is not answering him. And so he has find, uh, someone find the medium for him, and they find this woman medium, and Saul disguises himself and sneaks in yeah. and goes to her. And I love it. I wonder because George Lucas, I wonder if he's uh, familiar with this passage because uh, it's she's an indoor. Oh, nice. But it's no no Ewoks here. Yeah. This is different. This is a necromancer. Yeah, it's pretty pretty intense. She has what the in the translation I was reading a ritual pit. Mm. Um, and he asked her to conjure someone up. This must have been something they did or practiced. Uh, he knew, she knew what he was asking for and he knew what to ask for. Um, and so he asked her to conjure up Samuel. And so Samuel shows up and just kind of matter of fact, it freaks her out and she cries. (laughs) And which is funny. We were talking about that before. Like maybe it was the first time it's ever worked. Yeah. She was doing kind of a hoax. (laughs) Tricking people yeah, before, like, and then it actually happened. What the? If it was happening all the time, maybe she wouldn't be so shocked. Yeah, she tried out loudly. Yeah. And, uh, but she's also mad because she figures out it's Saul, and he's tricked her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I love, it says, she sees a divine being. Yeah, I've seen one like a god. Yeah. Um, I, I, don't, I wonder what that looked like. Um, I know. I, I, but then it goes on to say an old man wrapped in a robe. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know how. There must have been something more than that. Pretty that, ambiguous. That made him look like a divine being, a, a ghost or a, a spirit of some sort. Yeah. And uh, so they have a conversation. Samuel says, why are you disturbing me? Yeah. And Saul says, I'm in trouble with the Philistines. God has left me, so I'm calling you up <laughs> to tell me what to do. And Samuel said, why are you asking me? God has done yeah. what I told yeah. you he was going to do. And Samuel's like, I told you <laughs> before I was dead. He brought me back for this. I already told you. He's already taken this from you. Yeah. Which is it interesting because he did say that, and then it just goes on. Yeah. Like he was just And it wasn't any rolling. like new information. He didn't really answer Saul's questions. He just told him what he already knew. Yeah. He's like, no, God already took this from you. Yeah. And he's giving it to David. And he says, uh, God's going to hand you over to the Philistines tomorrow. And I, mm-hmm. this was fascinating. I guess that is new information. You and your sons will be with me tomorrow. Yeah, and that's, that's the whole rabbit hole that. can of worms. Where are they, where are they going? Uh, where were they? Yeah. Um, and if, Saul's, if Samuel's awesome and Saul's not, why? how are they going to be together? And there's just a whole lot there. Yeah, that's pretty they're, wild. They're uh and so Saul, Saul is obviously totally deflated now. He's terrified. He's laying on the ground. I feel for Saul. This guy was messed up, tortured. Was, wasn't working out for him. They have to get him up and encourage him to eat, and he finally does. Yeah, which will, It's going to be his final meal. Yeah. Which I think is pretty, has a lot and of so gravity. This is, this is amazing. We get into 29. David is literally... With the Philistines now. Ready to go to battle. And he is joining their ranks to go attack Israel. I, it's it's amazing. Well, and you have to wonder, too, because he's been so crafty. And he's all, one thing about David you see over and over again, we'll see it in chapter 30. He's always consults Yahweh. David mm. always consults his God first. So you have to wonder if there's some stuff that's not that's like unwritten. Like, was he really? Was he kind of undercover? Was he gonna be? Because what happens is the Philistine king's guys say, "Look, you can't have this guy and his men come with us. He's gonna turn on us mid battle." Yeah, but there was, and and there is. We'll see later. A, a kind of civil war going on mm-hmm. between him and Saul and Saul's house. Totally. So he 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 might have. Might have gone. I don't know. Who knows? Or yeah. he, he might have done exactly what the commanders of the Philistine army said he was going to do. Like he was going to turn on them. So they send him away. Yep. Which is huge because, I mean, that that took him far from the battle that would end up killing Saul, which he'd been so against yeah. on m- numerous occasions how he would not harm the Lord's anointed. 
Yeah. So it's an amazing turn of events. Yeah, it really is. And so he gets out of this battle. They go to the battle. Uh, David returns. Okay, there's this other side story. Mm. He returns to Zig Ziklag, uh, and it's raided. The Malachites have raided it. They burned it down, and they have stolen his They're all their families. women and children, their family, and his men are mad, so mad, David's afraid they're going to stone him. Um, again, he asks, bring me the ephod. Mm. <laughs> bring it. And so he asks God if he should pursue, and it's yes. And so David does, and they uh, get all their stuff back and and more. Yeah. And more. And I love Which it. At the so one point they said, they start saying, this is David's plunder. Like, I think they yeah, were... They switched their tone. It or... was like, uh, I don't know. It was like... Uh, slang bragging kind of thing well and the way the this nar- is mine the way the narrative kind of goes a little back and forth these past couple of chapters and i was reading through like a map like a chronological order of things that happened mm. and so really as time went by like on the space-time continuum mm-hmm. david was consulting yahweh the same time saul was consulting a medium mm. which i thought was really just really stood out yeah because it's all happening the next day yeah what happens next and so that leads us into uh, 31. The mm. Philistines are fighting with Israel. They're beating them. They're chasing them. And uh, they kill Saul's sons. All of his sons. Or not all of them, but Jonathan. Yeah, we'll find out later Ab- the one was missing. Abinadab. Sure. Gosh, I'm so terrible at this. Malkishua. God, I'm going to stop. So his I would sons. Say Abinadab. <laughs> yeah, Malkishua. Yeah, his his boys, but most importantly, is Jonathan. Yeah, and Saul is wounded. The archers have got him, and he's leaning on his spear, uh, kind of hanging on. He asks his armor bearer to kill him, but he won't do it. So Saul falls on his own sword mm. and dies. And it says his armor bearer saw what happened. And Maybe. He, he does the same thing, but yeah. it sounds like because we're gonna find the out story second, later is a little second different. Samuel chapter 1, maybe he didn't die. He Maybe he intended to die. We'll see when we get there. Yeah, and so this is the end here. The, the Philistines cut off Saul's head. They take his armor and put it in his temple. And mm. uh, the residents, though, who lived around that area, I think, they took his body and his son's body, and they yeah. burn it and bury it. I guess that was a more honorable sure. thing to do yeah, there, David's which David gonna, appreciates later. Yes, he sure does. And so now we're in 2 Samuel. Um, let's see. After the death of Saul and Jonathan, David, yeah, the timeline's a little interesting. He has just got back from... Uh, his, his rescue. His rescue of his... his mm-hmm things and his family and he gets back and he and he hears what has happened and uh an amalekite it says uh has come to david and he says he just happened to come across saul (laughs) on mount gilboa and he was wounded and leaning on his spear and saul asked him to finish him off so the man kills him Mm -hmm. and really if you look at that language it really could that could make sense. Like Saul could have leaned on his spear, just like chapter thirty-one said, but it just didn't. Didn't. It didn't take all the way. <laughs> yeah, and so his armor bearer saw that, offed himself. That guy came down. It's all still. It's all still like hanging on. Yeah. It's actually a brutal scene mm. if you think it about really it. Really is. It's like out of a movie or something. Yeah. So it really could line up. And so, but the guy takes his crown and his armlet and brings it to David. Mm. Uh, David and his men are mourning uh, for Israel losing their king. And this is the, that thing that's really this interesting, uh, this this change between they're fighting each other and then on, he's honoring him, he's yeah. mourning him, the guy who was trying to kill him. Uh, and David says, why weren't you afraid to kill this guy? The Lord's anointed. Yeah. And David... Has the guy killed? Yeah, which is full circle. Uh, Saul's very first sin, not follow, not following through with the instruction from God, was he let that Amalekite man live, the king? 
Mm. And now we're we're full circle back to David actually fulfilling what he was meant to do and yeah, taking him out and uh, not the same guy but another Amalekite. So at this point, uh, David uh, it it uh, writes or recites a lament. It's a lamentation for the context is he just without missing a beat just on on the spot just. Went into voices it. this goes into it is it a song is that what that means or uh yeah i think like a he, prayer like a, a song prayer and there's one part too where it's and the, where it talks about the mountains of the gilboa that i guess in the hebrew it's the way it's written he actually pauses there's like a stop almost like he's catching his breath i mean it's mm. really passionate yeah um let's see I thought we could read that. It's yeah, so th- yeah. Beautiful. Let's check. Let's let's do it. It's it's, it's such a popular proportion of scripture, and it's gorgeous. This is what um what David says. He says it's um a lament called the bow, and it goes like this: The beauty of Israel lies slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen! Don't report it in Gath. Don't spread the news in the streets of Ashkelon. Or the daughters of the Philistines will rejoice. The daughters of the uncircumcised will celebrate. O mountains of Gilboa, may there be no dew or rain on you, nor fields of grain offerings. For it was there that the shield of warriors was defiled. The shield of Saul lies neglected without oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of warriors, the bow of Jonathan was not turned away. The sword of Saul never returned empty. Saul and Jonathan were greatly loved during their lives, and not even in their deaths were they separated. They were swifter than eagles, stronger than lions. O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet as well as jewelry, who put gold jewelry on your clothes. How the warriors have fallen in the midst of battle. Jonathan lies slain on your high places. I grieve over you, my brother Jonathan. You were very dear to me. Your love was more special to me than the love of women. How the warriors have fallen. The weapons of war are destroyed. Yeah. Yeah, it's powerful. That's, that's awesome. How the mighty have fallen. How the mighty have fallen. So, now we're uh, chapter 2 here. David moves to Hebron. Uh, the men of Judah, the men of Judah come to meet him. They anoint him as king mm-hmm. right then. And so Saul's army commander takes Saul's son. He has other ideas. Bosheth, <laughs> yeah. And makes him king over Gilead, Jezreel, Ephraim, Benjamin, all of Israel. And so uh, Ishbosheth is king for two years, but David is king of Judah. So we have two kings right now. Um. Let's see. They are basically going to go into a, a a type of civil war mm-hmm. here in there within Israel. Uh, the men of Israel, um, Abner's men. He's the general. Am I correct? Here? Mm-hmm. He's the general, the lead general, and David's men. It's kind of weird. They're at the a pool. Uh, I guess getting water of some sort. And they get into a fight, and yeah, uh, they, they make like a it's like a dual arrangement. Yeah, it's the, like twelve on twelve. The I young think. fighters, yeah. the best fighters, and it talks. It's a fierce, fierce fight between them. At some point, um, Abner they they they're getting beat. Israel is getting beat by David's men, Israel's men, and Abner goes and runs, tries to run away, and. Uh, Guy named As- Asahel. <laughs> yeah, something like that. They uh, call him the. He, he runs like a Swift, gazelle. The Swift guy. He runs fast. like a gazelle. The gazelle runner. So he won't stop. He's chasing him, and it's kind of interesting. Abner keeps trying to get him to stop. Yeah, because they know each other. Yeah, like, they literally. He's like, "This isn't going to end good." Um, he tries to call him off. He's like, "I." He knows that he can best him. Yeah. More or less. Yeah, and he won't, and so eventually. Uh, he catches up and Abner kills him. Well, and it says he kills him with the blunt end of his spear. 
So in my mind, I'm thinking that he wasn't even trying to kill him. Like he was just trying to knock him away. Yeah. But it says the blunt end went, went all right the way through, through him. Yeah, it's pretty graphic. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh, Joe is. Uh, I'm sorry. That whole thing was set up. One of the commanders, Joe Joab. Mm-hmm. His men, his men were the ones chasing Abner. Yeah, that's gonna be important later. Um, he finally persuades them to stop. How, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they catch up. Jo- yeah, Joab and the other guys catch up with Abner, but Abner's in the high ground. He's got this huge force with him. Mm. Think they're most likely a Joab and his men are toast. Yeah. So he calls out to him and says, "Guys, what are you doing? We need a truce here." And they agree. Yeah, and it, he's right. He's like, even, even if you end, it's going to be bitter. Yeah, we don't have to. This is a bitter end, no matter what. Yeah, this is a good situation. But also, I'm on top of this hill with a ton of guys, and I'm gonna cream. It's not gonna go well for you. Um, Look at Gazelle Runner guy. So, so then this kind of starts off a long war between it says the House of David and the House of Saul. Mm. Um, Abner becomes strong in Saul's house. He's he's really kind of the leader, I think. Um, yeah, he's almost more of a king than Ishbosheth. Yeah, it feels like it says Ishbosheth is afraid of him. Yeah, uh, there's a conflict between them about a, a woman, and uh, Abner feels he's not appreciated in Saul's house, and so I think out of this, that situation goes right into Abner goes to David to make a peace treaty. Mm-hmm. He goes to all the houses and makes them get together. And they're all going to go on David's side and make a treaty. And so David has a meeting with Abner. They have a feast. They confirm this is going to happen. They're going to have a treaty, a peace treaty. Uh, But Joab finds out, and he's mad about it. And he calls Abner uh, to have a secret meeting, and he kills him. Mm. So Abner was trying to make peace, and he kills him, but he's taking revenge uh, for Abner killing uh, As- Asahel, uh, the one uh, from the story we just read, who kept chasing him. So it's it's kind of a Greek tragedy there. He mm-hmm. almost has peace, and then he gets killed for killing someone he didn't want to kill in the first place. Um, David is mad at Joab and his family. He curses him. Um David makes Joab and everyone mourn mm. Abner. Yeah. David leads a funeral procession, weeping. It's, again, this this incredible honor David has yep. for the men of Israel, even, which is really... Even when they're at his throat. It's kind of cool. It reminds me of, like, uh, honorable, like, uh, athletes or, you know, like UFC guys who are fighting so hard and then can appreciate yeah. each other. Like at the end of a UFC fight, yeah. you're like, these yeah. guys were murdering each other yeah. and they're, they're hugging and holding yeah, each like, other. Yeah. yeah, I love this guy. It's so great. Um, Totes. Uh, so let's see. Ishboset, we're at four now. Ishboset, uh, Saul had, let's see. He had these raiding party leaders that worked for Saul. These guys go in and kill Ishbosheth mm-hmm. in his house while he's taking a nap, mm-hmm. and they bring Ishbosheth. It's another dishonorable head yeah. to David, and David first of all reminds them of what happened with I, the guy. Yeah, who, do you guys not know me? <laughs> yeah, right. Didn't you hear what happened? Like it was a reward. They're not getting it. Mm-mm. He's not wanting to do this this fight. Uh, it kind of it kind of makes you think of Jesus and the disciples. He's doing what it's he like, has to because he is fighting them, but he's not. It's not gloating over it. It's a sad situation. Well, you know what Jesus was with his disciples. They they were expecting like this, the warrior side of a Messiah, and he's like, "You guys aren't getting this." Yeah, it's like that sort of idea. I love it. The honor is it's amazing. Um, uh, anyways, he reminds the guy, and then he kills him. He has his soldiers kill him. Uh, that is not a reward to him to see Saul's house 
his children killed. Yeah, and in a dishonorable way while they're sleeping. Right. I don't even think it was just that they got killed. It's how they how they did it. Like he just snuck in and here's his head, the prize, you know. Um. So David is now we're in five. He's anointed king of all of Israel. He's thirty years old. Yeah, this is a banner moment. Uh, incredible. He he says he rules for forty years. Mm. Um, seven and a half. Of, seven and a half of those being yep. in Judea. Yeah. He takes over Jerusalem, uh, and then they call Jerusalem to to this day really David's city. Well, it's it's like Jerusalem as we know it is born. Yeah. Right in chapter then. five. Mm. Like amazing. Mm. Um, let's see. This, I gotta mention this. In one of the battles, when he defeats the Philistine, he he's praying to God the whole time how to do it, and God instructs him to go around a certain point, like from behind or something, by the trees. It reminds me of all the movies, like the 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 one weak spot in the fortress. And this is uh, uh, what stuck out. God says, "Attack when you hear the sound of marching in the trees." Because God is attacking in front of him. Who are who's up in the trees? So good. Who's marching through? There's some kind of other battle going on. Some unseen army up there. Yeah, uh, awesome. I love that stuff. So good. So David, uh, with his troops, they go get the ark. Uh, there's a whole long thing about him moving the ark. Mm. Uh, David is worshiping with all his strength, with harps, tambourines, rattles, cymbals. Uh, one of the guys reaches out to steady the ark, and he is killed. David gets afraid. Yeah. He leaves it somewhere else. Uh, uh, Obed-Edom's house. Yeah. Eventually, he finds out that this guy's house is blessed. I kind of like that. Oh no! He's like that at the time that it was there. Yeah. They got super blessed. <laughs> yeah. He's like, <laughs> and yeah. he's like, okay, maybe this can go back to Jerusalem. Yeah. So he's not afraid. They bring it back. Yeah. It's amazing. It says he makes sacrifices in ox took, every six steps. Took a six. Yeah. Um, as they advance toward it, he wears a linen priestly vest. It says he dances with all his strength as it moved into Jerusalem. Uh, of course, Saul's daughter, who is now his wife again. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we missed that earlier. He, when Abner said, oh, "I want to meet with you," he says, "Only if you bring me Hall back." Ah, oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she's now he's got that wife back. <laughs> yeah, but she's not. She's not liking mm-hmm. uh, how David is acting, which is really interesting. I think there's something there. I really do, because we saw earlier in that story where she obviously had household idols in her house, so mm. maybe she's still tethered to that world. Yeah. And his wholesale, just free worship of his God, Yahweh, uh, might be part of it. And it could be, too, like a status thing. Like, you know, she wants to be the wife of a honored king who's very noble and austere and yeah. stoic and not some guy who's just dancing around yeah. free as a bird, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, I, it says he was naked, I guess. I don't think so, because it just says he has the... debased? It says he has the... He just said he had the linen ephod on, so maybe it was sheer or something. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. She just doesn't like that he's joyously celebrating his god she calls it debased so there's some something not uh how do i say it something she finds unseemly about yeah it's not the typical maybe typical on like you were saying like yeah pomp and circumstance kind of yeah like you're acting like an idiot he's just all in and he says i don't i only care about god thinks yeah not what people think yeah it's pretty awesome yeah uh, and so that's it, right? I think that's, that's six. The end. Yeah, it ends that's with six. yeah. So that's where we're at with that part. Um, let's jump in. It's amazing. Much more good David stuff to come. So yeah, keep reading with us. So cool. Keep so reading. Cool. Uh, we're gonna jump over to the New Testament to Luke. We got sixteen through eighteen. Uh, we start off here in sixteen, the parable of the dishonest manager. Mm. Um. This is a really wild one. He's charged (laughs) against the manager. The manager's wasting money. He's going to get fired. So the manager tries to act quickly because he basically says he can't do anything else. uh, So he has the people who's under him who owe money write contracts 
with less money than they owe. Yeah, considerably, yeah. Less. And the master commends th- the dishonest manager because he acted cleverly. Yeah. Um, this is one that just on the cursory reading, reading I didn't totally understand. And yeah, I had to jump I, into it pretty I, deep. Dive. I did a little deep dive on it, and I still totally not sure. <laughs> to be I, honest, I, I ended up kind of getting there. It's like it's like Jesus was trying to say that he he did what he had to do um, to secure his future. Mm. And so Jesus ties that in with the eternal future. Like he was willing to do whatever he had to do to, to make this happen. Yeah. Um, and he was clever about it. It's like if you, the proper attitude and use of wealth I wrote down where one uses their possessions to gain, not lose one's future. Yeah. So he, he doesn't ever really um, commend him for being dishonest. It's just what he's gained out of it. Yeah, and this is great too. I, well, it makes you think of the also in the scriptures where it says we should be wise as serpents, mm. as innocent as doves. But uh, this guy named Fred Craddock, got a great name, Fred Craddock. He said in this parable, you see that it is possible to manage wealth in ways appropriate to life in the kingdom of God. Yeah. So it's kind of looking to that future. Yeah, because Je- I think Jesus even says there, these guys are being clever and almost outworking you. And the, for, yeah. for stuff that doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's like a, like it's a comparison. Be like if really it, all in for this. This dishonest dude in yeah. this worldly setting, how much more should you right. as children right. of light be about the kingdom business with yeah. your dealings yeah. and faithfulness? Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, it goes right into whoever is faithful with little is faithful with much. Mm-hmm. Whoever's dishonest with little is dishonest with much. Um it keeps you know it keeps going there you can't serve two masters you can't serve god and wealth that's the translation i read i know there's maybe yeah, mammon, yeah, money. mammon yeah, is another it's like one a, it's the god, of, god of money so jesus is saying all this the whole chapter is revolving around this and the pharisees issue. are there mm. who is it, it said are money lovers mm-hmm. that's what i call it yeah, and they could hear him, and it says they're sneering at him. There's so much of this in the wrong, so much of context. these parables and things. He's talking to them, even things that I've like took to heart as like so precious as a believer. Like he was making a point specifically to those guys like about face something. to face. Yeah, yeah, like he was talking Bold. talking to them about mm-hmm. uh, making a point about something a little different, like in the. The last reading, he does all this lost coin, the um, uh, leaving the 99. Like, that was a direct uh, speech to the Pharisees. He was he was talking to them. Um, let's see. We get into then Jesus gives a story about Lazarus. Yeah, and he's got to keep in mind he's still talking about this issue of wealth. Yeah. And I'll just... I'll just give a paraphrase here there's a, a rich man who feasts every day uh it doesn't give his name but there's a poor poor man who can't even get the guy's crumbs they both die lazarus goes to paradise with abraham and the rich man goes to hell the rich man can somehow see abraham from far off mm. calls him to dip his finger in water to cool his tongue because he's tormented in the flame gosh that makes me think of what we just talked about with samuel and saul yeah, yeah I'll tomorrow are. i'll see you yeah <laughs> okay they're somewhere uh but abraham uh let's see uh, abraham says remember you had good things in life and lazarus had bad and now it's reversed mm. basically uh and besides there's a great chasm between us and we can't reach each other which is interesting. They can see each other and talk, but they great chasm between them somehow. Uh, so the rich man asked Abraham to go to his brothers and warn them, but uh, he says they have Moses and the prophets, and if they won't listen to them, they won't listen to someone risen from the dead. Yeah, either. even if someone risen from the dead. Uh, Amazing. A, a lot there. Yeah. Really. Um, yeah, it could be a whole podcast, just I, that story. I want to geek out on that, all of that. But, um, <laughs> but keeping in context, just quickly, going through these chapters, I mean, he's talking about this attitude and use of wealth and how they had it one way in life and Lazarus had it the other way in life. 
And what I love about it too, it's not saying that the wealth is bad. Mm-mm. What he's saying is that they forgot that to be blessed meant to be a blessing to others. And I think that's how it ends there, talking about Moses and the prophets. He's kind of saying they know better. Yeah, that's they what Genesis already 12 know. is all about, is that to be a blessing to everyone, to the nations. Yeah. Not to not love on this guy in life. And then it's funny too, because even in death, He's almost kind of still bossing the guy around. Mm. Like, hey, go go do this thing for me. Talk yeah. to my brothers. Like, yeah. it's that same, right? it's not the right attitude. I, Francis Schaeffer, a couple of his books, really stuck with me and helped me. He always used the phrase, uncompassionate wealth. Mm. That's that's the wrong kind of wealth. Yeah. Is it's where it's used for selfish, personal gain only and not to be a blessing to others. And I think that's what, like on the surface, this is what this is talking about. When he's, like you said, face to face, this guy is saying, look, you money lovers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there's so much there you could like huge deep dive into. Yeah. Um, We'll keep going here. 17. um, Jesus talks about how temptation is going to come. He gives a woe, woe to those who it comes through, basically saying... Uh, don't lead it, uh, other people into sin. Uh, it's better to tie a millstone, be thrown into the sea. Mm. Um, the disciples asked Jesus to increase their faith. Uh, he says if they had faith uh, of a mustard seed, they could uproot a tree and plant it in the ocean. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, the translation I read said mulberry tree. <laughs> Um, there's a story about an unworthy servant, um, basically like a go beyond your duty kind of thing, I believe, mm. and do more than you're regularly asked, not not just, uh, h- how do you say that, the least bit of what you have to do? Yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. Um, Jesus heals ten lepers, only one comes back and thanks him. He says, your faith has made you well. Um, yeah, it's so cool. And he says just one came back, and this commentary I was reading said that it uh, was interesting because he said, um, what did he say? Go and show yourselves to the priests. That's what he says to do, which mm-hmm. was the custom to do, which is more in effect of saying go to the temple. Yeah. But the one guy, he was a Samaritan, turned and went to Jesus, who was... John will tell us in his gospel he is the temple, like personified. That was mm. kind of a cool kind of imagery. Interesting, yeah. Like he kind of did go to the temple, but yeah. he went to the right place. Yeah. Um, so the Pharisees are asking him when the kingdom will come. Uh, Jesus basically says, it's not what you think. It's in the midst of you. Uh, the day will come when you long to see the days of the Son of Man. That's a whole thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But don't go looking, basically, because it's going to come on you like lightning. Yeah. And he gives several examples. Uh, basically, life is going to go on. Uh, people are going to be living like they did in the days of Noah, like they did in the days of Lot. Uh, eating, drinking, planning, building, buying, selling. <laughs> uh, but then whammy. It comes on them really yeah. quick. Uh, and don't try to hold on to anything. He specifically talks about Lot's uh, wife. Yeah, uh, that's that's amazing. It is. Don't don't look back. Don't grieve it. Let it go and go on because the whole thing's going down basically. Yeah. Uh, and then he talks about those who try to save their lives will lose them. Those who lose their lives will save them. Um. In there, the di- disciples say, "Where will this happen?" Jesus says. Kind of a cryptic thing where there's a corpse, there will be vultures. Yeah. Uh, could be a couple different ways of viewing that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Could be Rome, could be people just gather around when something crazy happens, drama. That could kind be of thing. that it's just also it's too late, like where the vultures are. It's, it's a mm-hmm. done deal. Yeah. I saw this one thing said it could be understood that those who are left the final judgment, uh, Jesus' for Jesus' reply would be that their whereabouts would be obvious in the same way that circling birds made obvious the location of corpses. Mm-hmm. Pretty fascinating imagery. Uh, yeah, it's quite. There's the, a whole lot there. Yeah, it's quite the same. Ways to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
18, uh, we get into the parable of the widow and the judge. Um, basically about continuing to pray. She keeps bothering this judge until yeah. he answers her. Um, uh, there's a parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Um, which is, I, that's a, that's one I love, where this guy is, his prayer is all <laughs> high and mighty. Thank you, Lord. I'm not like this guy over there. The other guy says, Lord, uh, have mercy. I'm a sinner. Jesus basically says that's the right. He had it right. Not yeah. The other guy. Um, humility, repentance. People are bringing uh, children to Jesus for Jesus to, to bless. Disciples try to keep them away. Um, he says you won't get into the kingdom unless you enter like a child. Um, it's interesting because this one has always a little weirded me out as well. And what I read that helped me was that children have zero status in that culture. Hmm. They're just as lowly as you can get. And so that's what he's talking about, that kind of humility, that kind of the, the humble will be exalted. Hmm. That's the way. Yeah. I'm sort of thinking about that in the way that um, they believe what they're told. You know what I mean? Like they haven't had time to That's true have too, a whole huh? bunch of other stuff, so they're just having to go by what you say. Um, let's see. Yeah, there's like a weird obedience and faithfulness there too. Yeah. An important man asked Jesus what he must do to have eternal life. Jesus lists some of the commandments, which is interesting. Uh, man says, I've obeyed all of these. Jesus says, says, there's one you still need to do. That's give everything away and follow me. Mm. Uh, which is awesome. To me, that was more of a, um, he was calling him into the group to be one of the disciples. Yeah, come, like, come with us. Yeah. Let's go. Let's do this. Uh, it was actually a high calling he was giving the guy. Sure. Uh, but the man was sad because he was rich. Mm. And Jesus talks about how it was hard for the rich to get into the kingdom. And the crowd responds, which is probably the right response. <laughs> how can anybody be saved? Yeah, they were like, yeah, those terrible people. This like, is probably a pretty good know. dude, this rich ruler. You I know, think like, so. Yeah, because he said he kept these commands. I don't think he was. I've heard some people talk like he was lying. He really wasn't. He obviously couldn't keep all the commandments like he said he was. But I think he was trying. Well, I think Jesus no, kind of liked totally. him. Well, and this is coming on the hills, too, where Jesus had just said you can't serve two masters, hmm. God and money. And he's kind of saying, too, here, because um, he says he kept this command, that command, and that command, which was the right to, thing to do. But the one thing he didn't keep, if if money was his God, then the very first commandment he was breaking, hmm. that's to have any other God before the one true God yeah, uh, had a hold of him. Right. And Peter says, hey, we did. I love it. Remember love us? Peter. We hey, did it. Hey, Jesus. <laughs> we left everything. And he's like, I know. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he says, this is awesome. Anyone who gives up a home or wife or brothers or family or children because of, of God's kingdom, much more, more will be given to him in this life. That's interesting. And in the future, the future world. I love that phrase, future world. Oh, wow, that's good. They will have eternal life, future world. Um, awesome. Again, Jesus predicts his death, like, explicitly, mm-hmm. and they it makes note understand. that they don't understand. And we end here with the blind man who keeps yelling at Jesus. Again, this is awesome because it starts off with the parable of the widow and the judge, and it ends here with this guy who keeps bothering Jesus. Yeah. He won't leave him alone. Uh, this is kind of a living example of, of what he just had talked about that. And uh, he said, what do you want from me? Uh, he says, I want to see. He says, look and you will see. Your eyes are healed because of your faith. The man is healed and praises God. Uh, when the crowd sees what happens, they praise God as well. And that is where we end there on 18. Awesome. Um Recovery of sight to the blind. Yeah, incredible. Which is what he said he was about to do when he quoted Isaiah way back in chapter 4. Awesome. So we covered a lot of ground today, man. Uh, So much cool stuff there. 
I'm really enjoying David's story, story arc, life yeah. arc. And we're just kind of getting into his, um, his big part. Yeah, it's great, great reading straight through, seeing everything leading up to these points and uh, how they connect. And uh, enjoying it. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. Uh, continue to tune in and subscribe and share. And um, we'll be coming back with week 17 next week. So uh, have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.